Okay, welcome back everybody here on Wigs for Wigs. I am joined once again by Bill Venezia, and it is Oscar season. This Sunday is the Academy Awards. Uh, not sure how much either of us have seen any of the movies that are nominated this year for the Academy Awards. But we're going to dive in today, talk a little bit about some movie history, the history of the Academy Awards. Maybe some movies that won that we're not so sure how they won, or movies that should have gotten more recognition and accolades from the Academy and simply didn't. Um, and see kind of what uh, the history of Hollywood and the Academy Awards can tell us about American society at the time that these things were happening, including today, how uh, life imitates art sometimes. So, Bill, welcome back. What's Joe, the... always a pleasure. And, and uh, truth be told, I have actually only seen one of the nominees for Best That's Picture. That's what I was going to ask you. Uh, the, uh, I'll be honest, I have too. The Benjis of Inishirin. And I, I want to see that one. I haven't it, seen it, it yet. It, it's well worth... I like the cast that movie has. Uh, me too. I Gleason, Brendan Condon. So Brendan Gleeson and, and Colin... Uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, great actors. I think the acting, I'm just going to give you my review, the acting is a little better than the, the movie plot, okay. but it's typically Irish. It is has beautiful... Well, it's got to be pretty bleak then. <laughs> it's, it's typically bleak, Irish. But it's... It's got beautiful imagery, which is juxtaposed to that, that bleak theme. Mm. But uh, it's uh, well acted. It's a good movie. It's well worth it. I, I'm not sure yeah, how it's going to Yeah, it's been on my list. I haven't been able to see it yet. You know, I was shocked that That was, one and the other one that's on my list I haven't been able to see yet is Steven Spielberg's movie. Yes. His yeah. semi-autobiographical movie about his... His yeah. childhood. I, the Fablemans. The Fablemans. The Fablemans. I'll wait to see that when it's for free. Yeah, I'm kind of curious <laughs> about that one. No, you know, I love Steven Spielberg. Um, so uh, that's the other one that's on my list. I saw Top Gun. That's the only one I've seen of the nominees. And I'm not a big Top Gun person. My brother, it's his favorite movie, the original Top Gun. But Yeah, I, um, I, I never saw the I original. I saw it. It was entertaining. Um, <laughs> fine. I, I, I think I'll okay. pass. Um, I think I'll pass. I have no interest in Avatar. I never saw the first Avatar. No, me neither. And to be honest, I don't know who did see the first Avatar that made so much money because I've never heard anybody when they're asked their favorite movie to ever say anything about Avatar. I think, Joe, <laughs> even though we are of different generations, that is a movie for generations uh, that are younger than ours. I mean, I was in college when Av the first Avatar came out. You would is think it I that would long? Be... <laughs> is it that long? Wow. Uh, you know, I never I... saw it. I never, I never really heard anybody talk about it. Um, with, I guess technologically it's some wonder, but I, <laughs> I, I... You know what? Look, I'm not taking anything away from those movies. As I was telling you this morning, uh, I was a very big fan as an adolescent uh, reading Marvel comics. In mm. fact, I told you I had the first Spider-Man, Spider-Man number yeah. one, that my grandmother, by the way, threw out with my comic <laughs> books. So uh, I can't cash in. But I don't understand the appeal to those Marvel movies. They keep churning no, them I don't out. either. They keep churning them out, and they're making millions and billions of dollars. I just I have not I, been able to get into the Marvel movies. I don't know why. I, I just had a, a, a conversation with a film documentarian, my niece, Samantha, Samantha Gurry. She uh, works uh, teaching film out in Los Angeles. Mm. And she told me, when I, when I explained this to her, my feelings about it, she said, you know, I think that they're reaching this saturation point. 
because they're, they're gotten pretty expensive to produce, and I think it's the law of diminishing returns. You'll see them That's starting to true. wane. You know, uh, but I... I you I, know, I, I loved... I'm not against comic book movies. I love the Dark Knight movies, the Christian Bale Batman okay. movies. I even love some of the older Batman movies, Michael Keaton Batman movies. I thought I did. Were I did. Good. I did see the original. I thought ones. Val Kilmer and George Clooney were terrible as Batman, <laughs> but I like Michael Keaton. I, I I like Christian Bale's Batman movies. Except for the third one, I couldn't really understand any of the dialogue. I, I'd see Christian Bale in any movie. But I think he's a great actor. I don't know. These Avengers movies, I've just never been able to get into. Yeah, so. yeah. And you know, it's funny. As a kid, I would go to see the 1940s serials in, uh, in theaters in Jersey City. They would rerun them. The Superman, the gentleman who played Superman, this is predating this is, the TV right. series, was Kurt Allison. Mm-hmm. And the Batman, I can't even remember their names. It was yeah, called pre Adam West. The Batman. Yeah, The Batman. And, and the, the series were 20 episodes long, they were about 20 minutes in duration. So when you went to the theater, they were almost like a come on to the movie you were going uh-huh. to see. So you had to keep going back to the theater to see the rest of the serials. Right. <laughs> Once in a while, they run them on TCM and stuff. But uh, they're, 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 they're pretty funny to watch in retrospect. But so, you know what? I was into Batman. I was into Superman as a kid. I'm talking about the 50s and the 60s. Yeah. And I found those serials pretty good. I mean, I used to laugh at the George Reeves version of Superman you know, Christopher Reeves. No, George, Reeves, uh, George Reeves plays Superman on TV. Oh, on TV. Uh, on yeah, TV. Yeah. And yes. uh, it, it, it actually, it's funny. L.A. City Hall was featured prominently in there. They, when he jumped out the window off a diving board, you know, like they give you a background shot of, of uh, the City Hall. It's a pretty iconic building in downtown Los Angeles. But uh, th- those were hysterical. Those were hysterical. You could see the wires holding him up when he flew. But uh, sadly, George George Reeves didn't come to a good end. (laughs) So we might not have too much insight into this year's Academy Awards uh, because we haven't seen the movies, largely. (laughs) But let's look back a little bit at some of the great movies in history that we do like um, and how they've done at the Academy Awards. So um, any that come to mind... Well, if I were to ask you, what's the greatest movie of all time? Oh, simply the best technical, the best movie of all time to me uh, is Casablanca. And I think it was definitely made as a propaganda film. For sure. Uh, came, I was actually just talking about that. Came out. My US2 class today. I think it came out in 42. Yeah, 42. Uh, and it's funny. Uh, most of the actors, the supporting actors, not Ingrid Bergman or or uh, Humphrey Bogart, but the other supporting actors in that film were refugees from from Hitler's Germany uh, or occupied countries. Uh, and there's a there's a scene in Casablanca that kind of brings a tear to your eye when the at Rick's Cafe, uh, Humphrey Bogart is the the cafe owner, and at Rick's Cafe the Nazis are singing. Uh, their song and the orchestra pipes up and starts playing the Marseillaise and one of the uh, one of the occupied French women who's a guitar player starts singing it it brings tear to your eyes and it brought tear to everybody's eyes on that set what I read Mm -hmm. later I mean that movie was a a wonderful propaganda film and it it actually was for the for the war effort against Germany 
uh, and especially too that uh, it, it kind of vilified not only the Nazis, but it vilified Vichy's, Vichy, Vichy France, France yeah. who, who basically controlled uh, that, that part of, uh, of North Africa. You know, so it was, it, it, I think to me that's technically one of the best. I mean, for the acting parts, for the writing, I think Michael Curtiz was Michael the, Curtiz, yeah. who, who did that movie. But that, to me, that's, that's... One best director for that movie? Yeah, he did. And it did win best picture. I don't think uh, I don't think the yeah. actors or actresses. They did not. No, they didn't um, win anything. Um, I will uh, tell you in a moment. Actually, um, nominees, art direction. I'm looking back at the Academy Awards from that year. Uh, I have. Let's see. Joe, well, anyway, I, it, 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 the actors did not win for that year. No. Um. While, while you're doing that, uh, it's very interesting. I just recently, when I visited my niece, I visited the uh, Motion Picture Academy Museum in Los Angeles. It's only not even two years old yet. And they had a whole room dedicated to Casablanca. <laughs> and they kind of recreated that set. Which, by the way, that whole movie was filmed on a movie set. Uh, in Hollywood, it was not. Uh, they didn't do anything in, in uh, any site work for that movie. Hmm. Uh, they actually had. Uh, they recreated Rick's Cafe, the p actual piano, that uh, uh, I forgot the gentleman's name who played the piano. Dooley, I forgot his name. Sam. Sam played against Sam. Played against Sam, which was never said in the movie. No. Uh, the quote is. You played it for her, play it for me. Play it, Sam. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at the movies that Casablanca beat that year. Um, I've seen The Song of Bernadette. Um, wow. Was another movie that year. And Heaven Can Wait, uh, the original oh, yeah. Heaven Can Wait. I believe that was remade later on. I think Claude Rains was also in that. And For Whom the Bell Tolls, the film version. Oh, wow, Gary um, Cooper. Yes, and also the connection to uh, 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 who was the star of Casablanca. Um, Humphrey Bogart? No, there's well, the woman. The, oh, uh, Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman was also in For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yes. About the Spanish Civil uh, War. So the year before that is another movie that many film buffs identify as technically the greatest movie of all time, which is Citizen Kane. You know, and I, that did not win Best Picture. No, it didn't. I that lost to How Green Was My Valley. Um, which was a good movie, but, you know, I don't know. It, Citizen Kane was interesting because it was unique. Uh, it, it definitely dark and physically, and the, the topic was dark. <laughs> and, you know, Orson Welles was not a favorite of Hollywood. No. Because he kind of stuck his... He was a little bit of a... yeah. A, a rebel. To a rebel, a, a little bit of an FU to Hollywood. Yes, um, yes, but a, a very talented filmmaker. Oh, no doubt. I think down the road, some of his other films uh, were much better than Citizen Kane. I, I had to watch Citizen Kane in a film class many years ago it's in my undergraduate at St. Peter's, and I didn't get the allure. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't think it was, it, it was a, a good movie, but I, it, it didn't resonate with me. And the year before that, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, the Jimmy gosh. Cagney movie about... <laughs> Who everybody loved, by the way. Jimmy Cagney was a very popular guy in Hollywood, the persona. Good friend of George Steinbrenner, by the way, <laughs> who, who, who his life ended... He died in upstate New York. He was a New Yorker through and through. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can understand the allure of that movie, yeah. you know, in terms of the flag waving and everything else. 
uh, that took I place. I mean, I'll, I'll always be a partisan talking about the greatest movie of all time. For me, it's Godfather 2. Not the first Godfather. I think Godfather 2 is a superior movie, honestly. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too. Because with different timelines telling the, the origin story of Vito with Robert De Niro and contrasting that with Michael's descent into darkness, I think. It, I think it's a phenomenal movie. It's in my top five. I think both of them, I, I love the, the, the trilogy aspect of The Godfather, The Godfather 2, and I have to say, I only seen The Godfather 3 once, and I want to revisit it because I... It's I, better than people, I think, yeah. in memory say it was. I think in the lens It suffers of, by yeah. comparison to the other oh, two. Oh, yeah, and especially but, two. It is not the train wreck movie that it's kind of legendarily come to be known I, as. I think Coppola, <laughs> Coppola basically took a bad rap for that movie, casting his daughter yeah. in that lead. And she was not an accomplished actress. And, uh, you know, she's actually made a great career she's for herself. She's become a pretty a director. good director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I want to see it without that bias because my first initial response is, this is terrible. You know, and I let it sit for no, for too many years. I, I definitely want to rewatch that. But uh, yeah, oh, The Godfather too. I saw it at a at the <laughs> opening in New York City. You know, my friend and I uh, took two young ladies whose names <laughs> I forget down through the years, and uh, it, I I just sat there mesmerized by it. You know, and it, it's ironic that Brando, who basically did such a great job in Godfather One, outpriced himself. And did exactly what the producers said he would do, uh, because they wanted him in part two. But he came up with this outrageous money that he wanted, and they turned him down. And it, it's funny, because there's a six degrees of separation with uh, two. The gentleman who played uh, Clemenza, yes. uh, Richard Castellanos, Castellanos, in Godfather, it's from We Hawk in New Jersey. And he wanted also more... Also does not appear in Godfather no. 2. Do you know why? He wanted more money than Brando. Money. <laughs> now, Brando, when, when, when uh, Coppola went to the producers and said, look, uh, what about Marlon Brando for this role? They, the producers on mass said, no, absolutely no, not. Yeah. He's a pain in the neck. <laughs> He's going to want too much money. He's a has-been. And he just, he doesn't know his lines. He's not professional. It'll bog down your, your, your film <laughs> development and we'll lose a lot of money. So what happened was Brando sought out Coppola. And he basically said, please let me do a screen test. So in the Academy Museum, they actually have the screen oh, test. Screen test yeah. And, you know, he had, did stuck, stick yeah. tissues in his mouth, and he did a phenomenal I, job. I think that cat had just, like, wandered off. And he, he just put it in it. his lap. But in the screen <laughs> test, there was no cat. Uh, that was actually on the, on the set. It's always fun to think about people that were also considered for roles in oh, film history. Oh, God. Like, but, they really wanted Dustin Hoffman to play Michael in The Godfather. Well, you, all, you know who else they because. wanted? You know, James Caan uh, auditioned for Michael. They wanted Robert Redford or... Uh, Robert Redford, not Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Robert Redford. Robert Redford and who's the other blonde guy who was... Uh, Paul you know, Newman? No, no. no Paul no. Newman it was but not... It was Robert Redford. I meant Robert Redford, not uh, I, Hoffman. His daughter was an actress, too. Over the Silver Moon, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't act his way out of a paper yeah. bag. Mm -hmm. But but Brando got that screen test. <laughs> Coppola was blown away, and Coppola told him, "Look, I'm going to go one more time to the producers. I'm going to show them this. I'm not. I want to see if they recognize it's you." <laughs> so he showed it to the producers, and the producers were wild about it. They said, "Sign him up. We'll take him." Is he an unknown? Because it'd be cheap. <laughs> 
Because it's Marlon Brando. And they said, well, you're crazy? That's Marlon Brando? And actually, that's how he got the role. <laughs> well, Godfather 2, come back to the Academy Awards, was the first sequel ever to win Best Picture. Yeah. There's only been one other, and that was uh, The Lord of the Rings, the third Lord of the Rings movie, won Best, Se- Best Picture. Can you name, it was, Godfather 2 is the second sequel ever nominated for Best Picture. The first one, let's see if you can get this, a little movie trivia, starred Bing Crosby and Ingrid Bergman, another Ingrid Bergman movie. Oh, uh, Going My first? Way and the Bells of St. Mary. Bells of St. Mary yeah. was the first sequel ever nominated for Best Picture. Every good Catholic kid has to basically yeah. watch that. <laughs> Bells and, of St. Mary's. Um, you know, I'm going to say one thing. It, it, when my grandmother watched that movie and she saw Ingrid Bergman, now, you know Ingrid Bergman's past. She left her husband, Bergman, the producer, mm-hmm. for uh, <laughs> uh, for an Italian producer. Yeah, I don't remember his uh, name, but... Uh, Rossellini. <laughs> Rossellini. So my grandmother in Italian said, I'm not watching that movie. She's a filial de Bhutan. <laughs> that, that's what my grandmother felt about Ingrid Bergman. She couldn't get over the fact she was dressed as a nun and cast as a nun. You know, so, um, uh, so my grandmother won't watch those <laughs> those Catholic movies. And by the way, the reason I went to Catholic school is that my grandmother, who was very domineering, imposed upon my parents, who both went to public school, that yeah, you're going to send these five kids to Catholic school. So there was no way she was buying. It's Ingrid just interesting. Bergen. It's been very rare for sequels to be nominated for Best yeah. Picture, but we have two this year. The Avatar sequel and the Top Gun sequel are yeah. both nominees this year yeah. for Best Picture. I never knew that Top Gun was uh, the original was was nominated for an Academy Award. Not for Best Picture though. Oh, cinematography. I think it was nominated for cinematography, sound, stuff like that. Okay. It won Best Song for you know I Highway to the Danger Zone. Yeah, I gotta tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I never I never watched Kenny Loggins. So. Uh, no. You know, I like Loggins and Messina, but Kenny by himself, I'm not so sure I can't. Other sequels nominated for Best Picture in History, Toy Story 3, which I admit made me cry in the movie theater. And uh, kind of a sequel, Letters from Iwo Jima. Did you see that one? That's an excellent movie. No, I didn't. I'll put that on my list. Clint Eastwood movie that tells the battle story from the Japanese perspective. Oh, no. Because he made Flags of Our Fathers, telling it from the American perspective. And then letters from Iwo Jima from the Japanese perspective. I, you know what? And I think it's a much superior movie. It's 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 great. I mean, I saw the movie. You have to be able to willing to stand reading the subtitles and all because it's all in Japanese. I definitely will um, watch that. That's a, it's a very good one. Very. I'll, I'll tell you why. I um, loved what the documentarian did about the Viet, the the latest Vietnam documentary, seeing it from the from the people of Vietnam, the Viet Cong and Ken the soldiers, Burns, Ken Burns, I mean, Vietnam. Yeah. That was so well done. So it, 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 yeah, just it last, whets my appetite. Just a couple weeks ago in Gettysburg, at Gettysburg College, my alma mater, of course, um, they had a film festival of Ken Burns films. I wish I could have made it to it, but I was busy that weekend. Um, so I didn't get to get to that. But I, I have met Ken Burns before at Gettysburg. Uh, he's an yeah. interesting guy. Um, I, I, I mean, you, I, greatest documentarian. Anything an he does, I, I would watch. I tell you, the the one that I, that really I thought when when he did the one about uh, country music. Yeah. Uh, because you know the roots go so far deep. Uh, I thought that was tremendously done. In fact, that was the impetus for me to go to Nashville. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. And the music right. was great. What's a movie? Let's. Um, what's a movie that maybe did not get the accolades you felt it deserved, either from the Academy Awards or in general? Because there's one that immediately comes to mind to me for me that I don't think there's any doubt should have won Best Picture and it lost. It's you know here. what, Joe? You start, there are two for me, actually. You start with yours, and let me think about that. Okay, for bit. me, I have two. One is Saving Private Ryan. Oof, yeah, good movie. Lost Best Picture to Shakespeare in Love, which I honestly don't know anybody who's ever seen Shakespeare yeah, in Love. I, I never have. You know, it's one of those things that the Academy loves. It was a period piece. It had, you know, all the fancy costumes, and it had a cast of big-named actors and all. So, you know, it's the, it was Academy Awards bait, basically, and it, it won Best Picture. But Saving Private Ryan, to me, is nearly a perfect war movie. Um, oh, nearly God. a perfect movie, especially, let alone war movie. Especially that the, um, the last few scenes. Yeah, and to uh, think that that lost to Shakespeare in Love, which is just kind of this frilly... Um, you know what, I think it's the tenor of the times if people are, are you know, as we moved away from... World War II and World War II vets were aging rapidly, yeah. as evidenced by the end this of that 96, movie. This was 96, 97, that movie came so, out. I caught the tail end of your class, you know, mm -hmm. and your, your kids have no conception about that. I, I applaud your efforts to teach them about what life was like during World War II <laughs> in America, you know, and, because they have no conception about it. It's, yeah. it's not even their parents. It's their grandparents. No. it's their grandparents. It's their great-grandparents, great <laughs> you know, and that's why we teach history. Their yeah. parents are my age now, the yeah. kids that I'm teaching. So, I mean, it's their great-grandparents at this point. And... <laughs> I, I, thought, um, I thought of a movie. The yeah. other one for me, I'll just throw it out yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Because to me, it's my, my favorite movie. I think it's a perfect movie in almost every way. And it didn't get almost anything from the Academy Award other than Best Supporting Actor for Denzel Washington, his first Academy Award. And that's the movie Glory. Awesome. Um, Great movie. Glory to me is a, as, almost as perfect a movie as you can make. Um, Morgan Freeman a couple of years ago, who has a resume that anybody would give their left yeah. arm for, said it's still the movie he's most proud of making. Um, and the idea that that only won a Best Supporting Actor for... Um, Denzel Washington, and I think maybe Best Sound also, it won, um, I, I, is. I think that's problematic the, to me. The crowning achievement of Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and that, that means the producers, and he did a little known movie about a, a, a high school a kid taking history a day off. teacher. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I mean, he really took glory to try to be taken seriously after Ferris yeah. Bueller's day off. He had acting chops. Um, he did. It, good, great job. But, well, you said one came to mind. Yes, too. The Searchers. The Searchers. John, John Wayne's, Wayne movie. John yeah. Wayne's best movie. That uh, is his best movie. I agree. I, 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 uh, I, I have to tell you, I am a big fan of the actor, John Wayne. Not the real-life character, because I think there's a big, I wish Frank was here with us, because I know Frank can't stand John there's Wayne a big, all There's a ways. big dichotomy between <laughs> his persona on screen. This was closer to it because he plays a bigot involved in a search for his niece, who's been captured by the Indians, and his half-breed nephew, basically uh, Jeffrey Hunter, 
who was mm -hmm. the first Captain Kirk, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, he assists him. I thought it was a phenomenal acting job by Wayne, but also, come on, it, it's, it's uh, uh, John... Uh, John Ford. John, it's a, it's a, it's a great... It's, it's we'll a great movie John by John Ford. Ford. Today, so you know, uh, it, it was a back. super, super movie. I mean, John Wayne didn't win any awards for that movie. No. And then the only he won one Academy True Award. Grit. That was for True Grit. And know? that was that was lifetime achievement. Right. Essentially. You know? But getting back to him because I think it's important. He, the interesting part why Frank doesn't like him <laughs> is because he had deferments. He never served in World War Two. No. He played every hero associated with World War II and beyond, including Vietnam in the Green Berets. Green Berets, yeah. But he, he had five kids, so he used and was that. And so, was so outspoken, negative to anybody who in any way ever yeah. criticized American the, the, military involvement. The best movie scene I ever saw was from that movie about uh, Dalton Trumbull, who yeah. was uh, blacklisted by the uh, House-run American when he meets John Wayne, who had testified on behalf of that committee, looking for communists behind every bush. And he uh, uh, went up to John Wayne, Dalton Trumbull. Now, here's John Wayne, six foot four inches, <laughs> waving the flag with every speech. And, he, and Dalton Trumbull confronts him after the reporters had talked to him. And he says, now, Dalton Trumbull was, a, was an ex-Marine. Yeah. who was in the Pacific. And he said, Mr. Wayne, where did you serve? All five foot seven of him, you know, and he had the, the courage of his convictions to call him out. If Wayne could have punched him, he would, but there were too many photographers around, you know, and he just put him in his place and then went to testify. And ultimately we know the, uh, the, the yeah. tragedy of Dalton Trumbull's life. You know, thank so, God. so many of the greats of that time period did have actual service in World War II yeah. in one way or another. Um, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Stewart. Stewart was a bomber pilot. Yeah. Um, biggest movie star in the country at that time. I'll give Jimmy Stewart. And late, later became very outspoken in his anti-Vietnam War views, Jimmy Stewart. I did not know that. Um, I did made, not know made that. Made some anti-war movies, not about Vietnam, but had the theme of being anti-war during wow. the Vietnam War years. That, now, um, you know, you're talking about a pretty staunch Republican, right-wing guy who was accused in the movie, on the movie set of The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance by Woody Strode, who mm -hmm. played Pompey, John Wayne's uh, aide, or, or what have you, uh, a black man. Mm -hmm. He accused him of, you know, using the N-word toward him. Yeah. You know, and that, that he wasn't too racially, he was very racially insensitive. But I, I'll, give, I'll give Jimmy Stewart his due with that regard to that. You know, Jimmy Stewart lived in an apartment when he was breaking into acting with one Henry, Ford, uh, Henry Fonda. Mm -hmm. Henry Fonda was the complete opposite of Jimmy Stewart politically, but yet they were great friends throughout their life and uh, got along in this age of uh, uh, political discord. Hmm. That it, it was the oddest couple you ever want to see. I have... Actually, uh, you know, I, I mentioned it's interesting to look back at who was offered roles in movies historically and turned them down. And I, there's another movie I wanted to bring up, which Jimmy Stewart was offered the lead role in the movie Network. Um, wow. The role that ultimately went to... William uh, Holden? Um, who was the actor who won Best Actor? Um, Finch. Oh, Peter Finch. Peter Finch. Okay. Wow. Um, Jimmy Stewart was offered the role and turned it down. Uh, or was it the, the William Holden role that he... No, it was the Finch role. It was the Finch role. That he okay. was offered and turned down. But I think Network is one of those movies that people should revisit today. 
because I think it tells us something about American media, which has also been in the news recently. Absolutely. Movie Network, if you haven't seen it, classic movie from the 1970s, 76, 77, somewhere in there. It stars Peter Finch, William Holden, Faye Dunaway. Um, and uh, Peter Finch plays a longtime news anchor who is, learns that he's about to lose his job. He goes on a tirade on the air. He, you know, uh, get up out of your seats and get mad. If you've ever seen that, they sometimes play it at stadiums. Go to your window and scream out, I'm yeah. mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. This is famous line. Um, but it gets a huge ratings boost for the network. And Faye Dunaway, who's the producer for his show, is inspired by this to go find as outrageous content as she can for the news network just to get ratings. And they, like, bring in a team of terrorists and give them their own show on the network. They have, like, the Mao Zedong hour because they, <laughs> it, it gets ratings. as outrageous and infuriating and everything that it is. It's all about just getting the ratings. They don't care that they don't really support the message of, the, of these shows. They don't care that it's all untrue that some of these things are saying and all. It's all just about getting ratings. Yeah, Bill, what's uh, this tie into our current of events? Of course it ties in. It ties into to, uh, one Tucker Carlson and the, the dilemma at Fox, mm -hmm. which is interesting because, uh, you know, is it news? Is it opinion? Is it propaganda? And Wasn't it Sean Hannity who, t in one of the texts that's come out, said news is killing us? Meaning yeah. the actual journalists at the network yeah. who are reporting real news. And which one um, of them, I think Tucker Carlson's email said that the stocks are down. Look at the stock price. You know, so, and, and Rupert Murdoch and someone of his, it says it's not about red or blue, it's about green. Yeah. And, you know, so right there, there is no journalistic integrity. The sad part of it These is... These guys have their highest ratings. I mean, again, tying it back to the movie Network, it's just about ratings, right? I mean, That's it. They've shown in their private text messages that they don't actually believe any of the stuff that they're spewing no. on their shows. Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, that it's all a fraud. Even, even just because it's getting ratings. A little better credibility, Brett Baer, you know, who's I've read a couple of his books. I mean, yeah, tol read. tolerable. Yeah, you know, fine. the one about Eisenhower is like just I read his grant book, it was yeah. fine. Um, nothing groundbreaking, but but the idea that privately these guys are all saying, you know, guys generically because Laura Ingram's included in this, but saying, you know, this is all fake, Sidney Powell is a total liar. None of this voter fraud stuff is true, but we can't stop talking about it because our ratings will go down. Yeah. And so they go out there and they spew all of this like it's the truth. You know, it's. I mean, it, Fox News themselves in past lawsuits have said these are not news people; these yeah. are entertainers. That's exactly what <laughs> they are. You know, but it was Fox who said a couple years ago in a lawsuit that no rational person would think that Tucker Carlson is being honest on his show. Fox News said that in a lawsuit. Yeah. They put him out there to get the ratings. They themselves said that no reasonable person would take him seriously. Dominion voting. That's how little they think of their viewers. Dominion voting machines can't get enough money, as far as I'm concerned, out of, out of Fox. And get, by the way, it's what they have wrought. 
You know, I mean, it's not easy to win a libel suit against a news network, no, but they're going to win this suit. Of course they are. It's a matter of what <laughs> this the could go to summary judgment. Be. They don't even you know, need to have a jury. No, that's what they, their court papers filed yesterday <laughs> basically went to that. So it'll be interesting. When you have Rupert Murdoch admitting in testimony that yeah. yeah, we knew that this was all fake, and yet we put it out there. Couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> By the way, is Rupert still an Australian citizen, a, a citizen of Great Britain, or an American citizen? I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. I'm going to I, I, I'm I'm gonna have know. to look that up myself. Uh -huh. But I want to get back to a couple of movies that... that yeah, let's go back. I, just, I, 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 I had Network in mind. You know, I, I just recently saw that clip again of, you know, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And it it's just, a, a great thinking movie. Thinking back to that movie just really made me think about the connection with what's going on right now. A great movie, but I've seen it in gestalt fashion. I've seen parts of it. I've never seen it from beginning <laughs> to end, but I am going to watch it now from beginning to end. Uh, but I, I, I talked to you a little bit this morning about an obscure movie. It was the second movie uh, put... Uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. It was made in 19, early 42. It's called The Keeper of the Flame. And uh, the movie is about a mythical character based on Charles Lindbergh, who is an America first icon and an isolationist, but also a fascist sympathizer. And he dies. And now this myth grows up about, around him. And he had all these youth camps and what have you, all inspired by what was going on in Germany at the time. And Hepburn is the, his widow. Uh, and Spencer Tracy is the investigative reporter that brings the myth down, you know, to get the truth out to the public. He actually is a journalist, even if it's on celluloid. But it was the impetus for another movie based on a novel and, uh, uh, by Philip Roth called you know, the plot, uh, the against, plot the, against America, America. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, explicitly about a mythical 1940 election in the aftermath when Charles Lindbergh defeats Franklin Roosevelt in 1940 for the presidency. Uh, and what happens in America during the four years that he's president. Uh, I'm not going to give you the spoiler alert of how it ends, but it, it is it explicitly names Lindbergh and uh, who is now President Lindbergh, and what America basically devolves into in hmm. terms of isolation, not in the war, but supporting the German war effort. It talks about the German, Germany's financing his campaign and supporting him with their propaganda. Hmm. Uh, it all takes place from the vantage point of Philip Roth, it's because it's autobiographical, growing up in Newark, I believe it's the Valesburg section, uh, New Jersey, and, and, and all the anti-Semitism that uh, yeah. comes out after it. But those, I think that's an HBO series, as you, you reminded was, me. Yeah, I was just looking up this movie, The Keeper of the Flame, because I, yeah. I wasn't familiar with this one, and I was just looking at the whole cast, um, beyond Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, Forrest Tucker has a oh, lead yeah. role in that. Yeah. Uh, one of my dad's favorite, because my dad loved the show F Troop. Me too. Um, <laughs> and uh, Howard De Silva had a Howard role in De that. Howard De Silva, Ben Franklin. Who later played Franklin. Ben Franklin in 1776 and was blacklisted himself. Yes, um, yes. We were talking about blacklisting How uh, Dalton Trumbo earlier. Howard De Silva was also blacklisted later in his life uh, by the House, House on American, American Activities, Activities Committee. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I wasn't familiar with this movie, but... Uh... It's a good watch. It's a good watch. It's, it's somewhat obscure, and it also has a little footnote. It's the only movie Katherine Hepburn ever made that she died in.
So her her character in that movie passes away, get, uh, dies, uh, through nefarious means, by the way. But it's a it's a good watch. And Spencer Tracy is actually Spencer Tracy. There's not a a, a, a far reach from what he normally played. But I have to say, Spencer Tracy was a pretty good actor. Uh, and Hepburn was uh, Well, was Hepburn phenomenal. was Hepburn, yeah. Yeah, Hepburn was um, Hepburn. Hepburn, uh, I believe Hepburn and... Does Hepburn have the most Best Actress Awards, or has Meryl Streep matched her? I um, think I, Meryl Streep might have, might have matched her, but I'm not positive. But Hepburn... I mean, yeah. you know, one of her best films to me was uh, uh, A Lion in Winter. That's a good with, movie. With Peter yeah. O'Toole. That is a very and, good and, movie. And Peter O'Toole proved he was a heavyweight actor going toe-to-toe with her. Uh, it, phenomenal. That's a great movie. And if you look at the cast in that movie, there's a tremendous amount of phenomenal actors uh, in that. Hannibal Lecter's in that. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, the also, uh, I I loved uh, uh, the um, the movie that she was in with. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, oh, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, yeah, you know, there. I guess that was that might have been Tracy's last movie. Yeah, I think he was pretty ill. He was he at was the time. Man. Another um, good movie. Sidney Poitier, of course, just passed away this past year. Yeah. Um, in terms of groundbreakers, in terms of the Academy oh. Awards. Um, in the heat of the night. In the heat of what the night. What a performance. Yeah. Not Lilies of the field. Um, uh, but Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep has three um, Best Actress Academy Awards. I think Katherine Hepburn might have had four, if I'm not mistaken. Or one of hers might have been supporting, and therefore it's three yeah. and three. But there I, is, of course, the trivia fact that Meryl Streep won her third Best Actress Academy Award. For playing a British leader, despite being an American actress, oh, yeah, that's she right. played Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, and the most Best Actor Academy Awards ever is held by Daniel Day Lewis, who is a British actor and yet won his record-setting third for playing an American leader, British, Abraham Lincoln. British actor who, by way of Ireland, by way of Ireland, yeah. yeah. But his father was the uh, yeah. poet laureate of England. So. Another another chameleon. He could probably do anything. And I, I liken the Aussie guy that you mentioned before, um, uh, who played Batman. Who was the, the one Batman that you liked? Uh, Christian Bale. Christian who Bale. Who is Welsh, I believe. Is he Welsh? I believe he's Welsh. Okay, I thought he was from Australia. but um, uh, it, the, Welsh. Did you ever hear a Welshman talk? Well, I know. It's, but not, it's, it's, not, an, it's <laughs> not the English language. Let me confirm that, that Christian Bale is Welsh. I believe he is. Um, yeah. Haverford, wow. Haverford versed Wales. Haver, Haverford versed Wales, yeah. Did you ever see that Welsh town name that's like yes. 100 letters long? It's, yes. I, there's no vowels in it. I, I'm, I've been a fan of boxing for a long time. And believe it or not, there was a great fighter from Wales, the Lion of Wales. And his name was Joe Calzaghi. And his family emigrated from Italy. Uh, and he had a real string of wins. He was a, he was a champion, and I, right now I think he was a middleweight. But he was really, re- maybe a light heavyweight, a, a, not a heavyweight. But he was a, a really, really good father, managed a fighter, managed by his father, who was an Italian immigrant. Now, I don't understand what any self-respecting Italian, do, how they immigrate to Wales. 
First of all, it had to be some culture shock because even the British don't understand what, what the Welsh are talking about. Well, here Christian Bale says both his parents are English. So he says, I was born in Wales, but I'm not Welsh. I'm English. So, yeah. I mean, um, I, I think there's Because otherwise also, we would never understand the word. There's a bit of a stigma to that, too, oh. by the way, uh, being from Wales. I have a good friend, Andy <laughs> Williams, who tells me that, yeah, the Welsh are nutters. <laughs> so do we have... We have only a couple minutes left here. Are you rooting for the Banshees of Incherine? Because well, it's the only one you've seen. I'm going to tell you <laughs> the truth. I, I don't think it's the best movie, and not even seeing the other ones. I think... The, the best part of that movie is the, the imagery, the beautiful photography and cinematography uh, of that Irish island. And, and also the acting performances of Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Not only that, the, even the supporting actors are true. Carrie Condon was nominated also, the, yes. the female. Yes, she's, um, she's excellent. She's a very good actress. She's Colin Farrell's sister in the, in the play. I know her the from the past, from the, the, the TV show Rome. Oh, on HBO, yeah, she was, I, never, I, I uh, never knew of her other work. And also, um, there was a movie, The Last Station, I think it was called. It was about the last months of Leo Tolstoy's life. Oh, I have to uh, look And she that was up. one of the leads in that movie. It was very good. Um, she played his granddaughter or something in the movie. I don't think um, the sum total of the acting performances and the, and the beautiful imagery of, of Ireland, period, hmm. It make that. A lot of people are going to look at that. There's another movie that both Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson were in, which was even darker. It's called Bruges. <laughs> yeah, and, in Bruges. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in one. In Bruges. And, yeah. and uh, it, th- again, a dark, dark movie. Yeah, that uh, one came out back when I was in college. I saw that one. And, and the Irish basically... <laughs> I saw a lot more movies back when I was in college. The Irish imported their, their, their darkness to Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say... As my last thoughts, as we look ahead to the Academy Awards on Sunday, one, I hope nobody gets slapped because what a mistake <laughs> that was last year. But two, the one person I am rooting to win, even though I haven't seen the Fablemans, like I said, yet, uh, John Williams is nominated. Okay. Again, it's the last time he and Steven Spielberg are going to collaborate on a movie. They, of course, have such a long history of of great work together. For the music. Uh, for the music. Um, so even though I haven't seen The Fablemans, I haven't heard the soundtrack to The Fablemans, and John Williams has no shortage of awards and accolades throughout his career already. Well, like you said before. I'm rooting for uh, period a final. Piece, period pieces do well. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for a final Academy Award for John Williams, another kind of lifetime achievement, if nothing else. Um, because, you know, you have John Williams. I mean, if you think about movie music, it's John Williams, and then it's everybody else. There's James Horner. There's you know some other people that have been very good Joe, in history. But you, you owe yourself a trip this summer up to the Boston Pops uh, up in yeah. the Berkshires <laughs> because he does uh, he does a concert up there every year. Yeah, uh, and it's nice. It's outdoors. It's it's a, it's a nice event. I've never so, been to it, but <laughs> I'm kind of close to it in Vermont. So any of you out there who are listening, as always, we love to hear your thoughts. Uh, what are movies in history that you feel de- deserve more credit than they got or more accolades? What are you looking forward to on this Sunday's Academy Awards if you've seen any of the movies that were nominated this year? What are movies in the past that won the best picture that maybe you don't think should have won? I mean, I talked about Shakespeare in Love. I could have gone into The English Patient is another one um, that I'm not a big fan of. Neither am I. But, uh, 
you know, let us know your thoughts on film history. What's the best movie of all time? We gave a couple of hours that we really think of. So reach out to us as always. You can send us a, a text email or send us a voice message. We can play on a future episode. We can be reached as always at Wigs for Wigs. That is W-I-G-S-F-O-R-W-H-I-G-S at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and we hope we do. So take care out there in movie land and we'll see you again soon on another episode of Wigs for Wigs. Take care, everybody.